Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi and BP. Hello! Hi! Today we're going to be playing Underwater Cities, uh, designed by Vladimir Asuchi of Pulsar 2849 Praga Kaput Regni, Last Will, Shipyards. The artist is... Uldream of Spyfall and Milan Vavron of Through the Ages. It's published in 2018 by Delicious Games in the Czech Republic and Rio Grande Games in the US. The description is, the Earth is overpopulated. The colonization of Mars is always four decades away. The only avenue is open for human expansion, the world under the sea. Under the sea. Do-do-do-do. Players compete to build the best underwater nation, an archipelago of undersea cities connected by a network of transportation tunnels. Kelp farms and desalination plants will provide your people with food and water. Laboratories will give you knowledge you need to run everything more efficiently. Perhaps you will even be able to build symbiotic cities, fully integrated with the underwater ecosystem. Beginning as a single city, you will expand your network, connecting it with coastal metropolises. At a time when hunger has exceeded agricultural output and water shortages strained the bonds of the Federation of Nations, you will build a nation that is self-sustaining, perhaps even someday exporting your products to those who have been left ashore. This is your task. This is your destiny. Uh, The world's hopes lies in your underwater cities. The mechanics are endgame bonuses, hand management, income, Network route building, turn order stat-based, and worker placement. Yeah, the box art, a little submarine guy. Yeah, there's some divers, a little submarine, and then there's like a bunch of bubbles and tunnels and stuff. It reminds me of, uh, there was a Lego, uh, one of the one of the Lego bits was like all underwater and had like the bad guys were like shark guys. But all the submarines, uh, like yellow was the primary color of all the submarines. And there was like a big bubble base that you could have. They, they were really cool. Made me think of Sequest when I looked at it. BP, what does it remind you of? Nothing. Well, would you pick this up on the shelf? Um, Maybe. Nothing's like just like jumping out at me as in, hey. This should be lots of fun. I mean, I yeah. So uh, I'm not a I'm not a hard solid. I'm definitely pulling this off the shelf. Like I would probably I would really if I were like looking at the shelf all alone without the two of you nearby, I might just walk past it. Um, it's a hard one for me because obviously I like underwater things. I don't know if it's tainted because I think it's a heavy euro, and and I'm thinking of that. I don't know if like if I just saw the box. The description makes it sound like a lot of Euro-y stuff with network route building. I, I think we've talked about this before. Like, I don't know that we've hit a good network route building that we really enjoy a lot. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the ones we've played, Kev kind of had like other elements that were kind of like a bigger, like a bigger pieces of it. And the, the route building was kind of just like a smaller bit. I, I guess I'm torn because I'm I I like the theme, but I feel like if it's going to be it might be a game that really the theme really doesn't matter. So then that would make it irrelevant. So, yeah, I think I might, I've heard like, I'm a, I'm aware of the designer. I'm aware of the, like I've heard of the game and I've heard like good things, but there have been plenty of games that we've played where I've heard good stuff and it just wasn't for us. Um, but I like the art. I like kind of what it invokes, like, uh, you know, kind of the stuff that it makes me think about, you know, the Lego uh, genre, the, 
Sequest. So I think that would kind of, I would at least pick it up and take a look at it. I'm thinking, what was the Friedman Freeze power grid? Power, power grid. Power grid. Yeah. I, I have a feeling it's going to be mathy like that. So I'm not sure. Um, so uh, how do we think it's played? Uh, well, I obviously think with some math involved. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think network. So just the way it's described, I think we're obviously going to be placing like underwater buildings with tunnel network. I think that's the route building to connect them all together and stuff. Yeah. I was thinking, um, when I was getting ready to sit down that it was going to have the feeling of kind of like one of those civilization games, but instead of being on land, it's just going to be in water. Yeah. Cause it says kelp, kelp farms laboratories yeah. so there's going to be like a whole like um you resources know, res- research track with laboratories and resources with the farms and there's our worker placement right like only so many people can have the good kelp otherwise you're or, and the coral otherwise you're stuck with yeah, right like a, the hard tack yeah you don't want that low quality kelp it's just ugh. so i think that that'll be the, yeah like you said worker placement will probably be like getting that you know do you go to the research spot do you go to the the farming spot uh, do you do build tunnels and network stuff? Hand management? So I yeah, guess there's going to be was... some cars. Maybe that's how you know what you can play, like build. I don't know if there would be different types of building or if it will just be generic. And income, I'm assuming like you've, you know, acquired so many resources and then. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if this is like kind of like Agricola or Caverna or whatever, and you have to have your your population fed in order to keep going. Oh, and probably. so that's what you need the income for. Yeah. 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 So it's an underwater agricola. Plus your stables of uh, dolphins and, and orcas. Um, right. Which, I mean, actually, obvi. Yeah. Because you have to stave off the great whites. Right. That's your defense network. They're also transportation because that's how you would get between buildings. See, it's Aquaman. Is that, is that what happened in Aquaman? Uh, I mean, he could talk to sea creatures and stuff. I mm-hmm. think there were sharks. There were, there were some sharks involved, I think. Uh, so the history of Aquaman. Great. No. Oh. One day you're going to um, say that and she's going to actually have that prepared. I know. <laughs> Whatever what random, random stuff you come up <laughs> <Yeah>. with. <laughs> um, so I was kind of fascinated. Like at first, like I was thinking, well, like Atlantis, like what was the history of, right? At least the idea behind Atlantis. But then I totally got sucked into like actual real underground cities. And so, um, one of the really like most intact ones that's also a pretty great tourist attraction is I'm going to mispronounce this Pavlopetri in Greece. And it, I mean, I bet parts of it were used in um, my, one of my favorite Bond movies. Um, Thunderball. No, it's a Roger Moore. Oh, okay. Uh, for your eyes only. Um and anyway, it it reminds me of that. But then I was reading about some of the I mean, I think this is just really great because I've been thinking a lot about especially ancient civilizations. And right. You think of the rise of cities and their how they adapt to geography and then changing geography. And um, one of the big cities uh, that. I think is kind of cool is this one uh, in India on the West coast of India, right? So the Indian ocean. So it would have had um, a lot of trade, most probably with the Arabian peninsula and uh, Mesopotamia type areas. Um, And so apparently it was a really important, uh, I'm I'm going to try to pronounce it probably again, mispronounce it Dwarka. 
Um, and it was apparently considered a myth for about 5,000 years. So it would have been, again, um, maybe it was even part of the Indus River city uh, civilizations um, that were right, like part of these great cities that had like sewage and supposedly peaceful, but like really great stuff to export. Um, and it was apparently, uh, again, like one of those tsunami type things and it completely disappeared, uh, around 1500 BCE. And there was, uh, about that time, some climactic changes that did really upset some of the first civilizations. So that's about the time you do start to see, uh, in between like 1500 and 1000, you see the Indus River Valley civilizations, um, die down. And that's when you see the Ganges River, uh, civilizations, uh, pick up the same thing, right? The, uh, supposed sea peoples, right? Uh, there's a huge drought that people are thinking uh, sent these um, peoples from various parts of like the North and West throughout the Eastern Mediterranean, which had a huge trade network. But some of those cities were also affected of, by this you know, huge drought around 1200 BCE. So it's really interesting to think like what was going on in the world at this time that completely wiped out whole entire cities that now you can find completely submerged. Um, maybe not quite as cool as this futuristic one, but the whole story as I was researching to find like actual historical underground cities, apparently because right, Japan, they are actually um, trying to plan out a underground city called Ocean Spiral. And so like in 2014, an architectural firm in Japan um, said that they are trying to, um, yeah, build like a, a, a huge, right, underground. There's like artist rendering of the underground city already in place. I don't know that from like the articles I was reading briefly that uh, much has actually started in the, uh, building of it, but they do call it like this futuristic techno utopia city underground. So maybe, maybe if this is a futuristic, realistic game and we are going to eventually actually be living underwater versus on Mars. Uh, each of us will take control of an underwater nation. We are trying to make the most prosperous nation over the course of three eras, and the player with the most points at the end of the game is the winner. The play order for the first round is randomly chosen, uh, but in their defense, the order is all random, not just the first player. So it doesn't it doesn't matter if it goes clockwise or counterclockwise from the first player. So we're going to keep that. We're just going to follow the rules in this particular case. Okay. So on a player's turn, they will choose one of the three cards in their hand to go to an action spot that is on the board uh, that hasn't been taken. So each of the cards and action spots have one of three colors, green, red, and yellow. And the action slots have an action, which is why they're called action slots. Uh, and if the card color matches you also get a bonus that's on the card as well. Uh, you must do at least part of the action on the action slot, but you don't have to do all of it. And you don't have to get, do the card bonus if you uh, if it's available. So generally speaking, green has the strongest card bonuses, but the weakest action spots. Yellow has the weakest card bonuses, but the strongest action spots. And red is somewhere in between. And then there are five different types of cards. 
So there are cards with instant effects and they have a lightning bolt symbol. And if the color matches, then you can do the bonus on the card and then you just discard it. And then there are uh, four more permanent ones. So you have permanent effects, which have an infinity symbol and they'll give you some effect that lasts for the game. So it could give you discounts for purchasing things or benefits when uh, when an event happens and it triggers it, or maybe it'll increase your hand size. Uh, you'll have action cards, which have an A, and that you can have four of those, and they give you actions that you can uh, perform later in your turn, as long as you go to a, an action spot that lets you use an action. Then you have production cards, which have gears, and they take effect during the production phase at the end of each era. And then the last one is end scoring cards, which have a little stopwatch, and they give you points at the end of the game. So building cities will allow you to build buildings uh, and then. Wait, build. Right. So cities give you places to build buildings. Okay. The buildings will let you produce different sorts of supplies. um, And then tunnels will help you connect all of your cities. Everyone knows that if you build the city, the buildings will come later. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what they say. If you build it. If you build. Yeah. They will come. Please, um, please build a city, but do not include buildings yet. Yeah, they'll, they'll just arrive. There'll be a mass migration okay, of buildings. Okay, so yes, my confusion is real. Yeah, um, and then some cities will also give you bonus points as well. So once a player has played a card and performed the actions, they draw a new card to get back to three cards in their hand, and then play moves to the next player on the track. Each round, players will get a chance to play three cards. When the round ends, play order is changed to reflect the federation track um and then there are four rounds in the first era which will trigger production and then three rounds for eras two and three which will also trigger their own production at the end of each production cities must be fed uh so you were correct. <laughs> not the city itself not, i'm assuming the, the people, people but the yeah. city <laughs> no 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 you feed uh, also, that city once the final round is finished and production is complete, scoring is done. Players will get points from their final scoring tile, in scoring cards, scoring for network cities, and resources remaining. The player with the most points is the winner, and the final play order is the in-game tiebreaker. So you want to be first at the end. That's a pretty good summary of the rules, I think. <laughs> I mean, you pat yourself on the back. Well, let's play. We just finished a game of Underwater Cities. To recap, BP the Dolphin had 52 points. I the Robot had, or I Robot, had 65 points. And Kiwi the Scientist had 67 points. How did you win, Scientist Man? Uh, so I just tried to produce a lot, which meant just like having a lot of upgraded buildings. And then I got to the one, I looked at my metropolises and found the one that gave me victory points for production and got to that one as well. Uh, and then the desalinization points and farms. So I got a bunch of my points from having the the double upgraded farms. Uh, BP strategy? I mean, at first I was doing worker placement, get resources, but I don't know. Then apparently 
just trying to have cities with stuff, but apparently that wasn't the winning strategy. So, I mean, you got a ton of points from having. Sure, but I still didn't win. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say you played out the idea of an underwater city the most in that you had the most cities that were connected that had different types of buildings. So, uh, I mean, I kind of, I was focused on production. I got a bunch of these like bonus production cards. So I'd have a big production. So I guess that was my thing. I had a lot of money at the end that converted to points, but I guess I didn't have a lot of kelp and kelp farms, which produced points. Uh, I should have had more of those. And some of those things like early in the game, like if you got upgraded kelp farms through all the productions, then you would have gotten a bunch of points for that. So uh, what did you think of the theme, Kiwi? I mean, I felt I didn't feel like we were underwater building anything like I, I felt like the the art, you know, on the cards, but, you know, with a bunch of submarines and sea animals and stuff like that's where the theme was. Like, I, I feel like this could have been in space and you would have had the same exact thing. I mean, I think you said it at the beginning, Eric. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say it, it does better than like a totally abstract Euro-y thing. Like at least like you did feel like you were building something and connecting it with other things. But so I was kind of the, in the middle. I was like, I don't know. It kind of feels like you're doing things. But I, at the beginning, like when we talked about like, um, I guess we were talking about Sequest with like thermal vent cities and stuff. I was like, you could have much cooler like specified buildings and they're like the cards are pretty generic oh a, a shipment comes you have supplies it's a black market like it could have been more like interesting uh like i kind of want to build an underwater city now with like actual like interesting underwater things yeah i think one of the things we've talked about in the past and we've brought it up with um grand austria hotel where you know instead of saying i need a red cube or i need a brown cube it's like i need strudel and i need wine and i need cake uh we kind of yeah, did felt that. Like, with yeah, the we kind of did that. But then I was going to bring up that, you know, BP always said, I need a money place <laughs> instead of the desalinization. So, like, and to be fair, I mean, the desalinization, we were kind of like, what does that do? I guess it's money, but it doesn't really like more interesting if you had to like feed and water your people. And then those buildings did certain things. But yeah, the end with the fact that, you know, Kiwi had the fewest city and the fewest buildings and the fewest connections, kind of like and he's still that, when I looked at that, I was like, well, that yeah. just kills the theme to me. Like if the whole point was to build like a sprawling metropolis underwater, the BP who had the most cities and the right. most buildings got the last place. It's kind of like, yeah. all right, and it kind of doesn't really work with the theme there. Yeah, I feel like when you have one building that gives you victory points, because like that's really what got it for me is I, I was getting victory points in every all three productions. And that's what got me ahead. If I if I didn't have that, I would have been behind. Table presence, uh, BP. It's busy. Yeah, there's just a lot. Like I don't, I don't know if I walked past this. If I would be like, oh, what's going on there? I'd probably be like, there's a lot going on there. Um, some of the cards are cool, but it seemed like there was also a lot of like repeated themes, but had like you know, obviously different variations, which obviously production costs, um, but. I don't know. I just medium grade. <laughs> yeah, I think the one inter interesting thing would be the city pieces in this game, like in the tabletop simulator, you know, they were the little dome pieces in the, in the game. They're actually the same thing. They're these little plastic dome pieces that kind of go out. So you kind of do get like this, a little bit of a three dimensional look to it. I think if I saw that, I might stop and look at the game. Cause like, it's something different. Like, Ooh, what are all these like mm -hmm. 
little bubbles. But it'd be I, cooler it, if they were like I don't know, pollinated or I don't know, had like something. I can give you the real answer for this because at Gen Con, it's in the Rio. It was in the Rio Grande room where we play like Dominion and stuff. I think Dominion. And we literally walked by this table and the domes caught my eye and I thought, ooh, underwater cities. I like Sequest. And then I looked at the, the, the setup just like it is on the table and I was like, it looks like too much. And we walked by it. So yeah. mm. um, it did catch my eye. And then we immediately went, eh, it looks really complicated. And we kept going. Yeah. Um, so I, I would agree. It's kind of in the middle. It does have a bit to catch your eye, but it's also very busy um, and not enough. Like you said, like if you had like, the buildings were somehow built under the dome or something in a cool way. Yeah. Um, or kelp farms kind of looked like kelp farms instead of green cubes. Or like a cool, instead of just like a generic map of the the world, like having some cool background art. Oh, I didn't even notice it was just a generic I, I map just of the noticed. world. Yeah. yeah. I just noticed. What's next? Mechanics? Uh, mechanics, Kiwi. So I think the game that we've played, I, I was trying to, trying to figure out how to word it. Like, uh-huh. So I think the only game that we've played that has been sort of similar to this was Terraforming Mars, where you're sort of building an engine. There's a little bit of colonization going on. I think the difference is, is like you got there was a production phase, like in the terms of this, there was a production phase at the end of every turn. You got additional supplies as you were going in. I felt like with the reduced number of production turns, you didn't get as much and therefore it was harder to get things like Eric struggled for kelp, which then made it harder for him to build kelp farms, which is what I did in order to get more victory points. And on top of that, more kelp. So it was just a dip, like it made resources like more scarce, but at some point, like it was specific resources and you really had to like build out your, like I was always short on science and I felt like you guys were never short on science because you had built up uh, laboratories so, and then the cards, like you guys always had like actions. I, I didn't get any good actions until about halfway through the second era. So we were like halfway through the game and you'd already, you guys already had. So like, I think it suffers from the same problems that Terraforming Mars does. Whereas if you get bad card draws, like that just sort of puts you behind. I would say it's a little less dramatic because in Terraforming Mars, the cards were your, the entirety of your action. Whereas at least here you're playing to the board. So at least if you have crappy cards, you can at least play to the board and get the things you want. But yeah, you're you're right. It is if you get really unlucky with a bad streak, you can be especially in the early rounds. Um, it can really hurt you, I think. And it's hard to switch up who's first player sometimes. And so I think there were a couple of rounds I was like constantly like the last person. And that's actually where I struggled the most, I got, I got two Federation points the whole game. <laughs> like, yeah, I was pretty much last or second the whole game. And the only reason I was second is because we were both tied and we stayed in that order. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was going to bring up that I do not like player round mechanic thing. Yeah. I would so much prefer there like other worker placement games. There'd be a spot that says you are now first player. Yeah. And then you still go clockwise or counterclockwise. Cause the whole, like, like I already have problems enough with counterclockwise, clockwise, where I'm like, and now it's my turn. I don't think that bothered just again, so much that if, especially early on in the game, if you're not first player, you or first or second in this case, because there were two really good resource spots, 
you don't, you know, you could play like the whole first era, almost like Eric did without getting any good resources. Yeah. I mean, obviously it still worked out in Eric's favor because uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I didn't get I, any good resources. I just was lacking in one area and I just sort of managed my way through it. But there, there were a couple of times where I was like, I really want to be first player to make sure I get us like a specialty card or something mm-hmm. towards the end there. It was like, this is going to give me a lot of points. And I looked at the thing and I was like, well, Kiwi's already got more like he played a card that gave him Federation points. So there's no way I can get first player now. Going back to like where the resource, like the first round, I really felt like we were all struggling to get resources. And it reminded me at first of, I think it was Heaven and Ale, where like you just have nothing to do anything. But in Heaven and Ale, it's like for the whole game. <laughs> like at no point can you yeah. get resources to do stuff. Whereas I did think mm-hmm. this did at least have a decent build of like that first era. You're just struggling for resources. And then you kind of like by the third era, you can just sort of, I think we we're all just sort of building stuff at that point and not really. There's, there's two good resource spots on the board. And so the third player gets screwed. Whereas I think by the third era, like we we didn't even place in those spots. So I do think I had a good like build up in terms of like it's a struggle at the start, but then your production gets going. But I guess it probably falls in the terraforming Mars issue of like if you're unlucky getting your production going, then you're going to get way behind. I just think to you, like with the mechanics and the theme, which again, these are the things that tie games together, like as you guys are just talking and especially in seeing how Kiwi won, it's, it's a maths game, right? It's, it's the analysis, it's the Euro, it's the, how can you calculate like so much on exactly what cards and how to maximize points. And we are, we know that those are not the games that I necessarily do well with. Like I was playing to the theme, which I generally do play better with at those types of games and lost. Like I just, I mean, maybe I, maybe that's nothing to the mechanics or to the theme, but like, again, if that's the kind of game that you want where you can just sit and like look at what you're dealt with and be able to do maths in your head to a great extent, there you go. The rules, I mean, obviously it's it's a lot to take in and a lot of icons that I still think towards the end of the game, I was trying to clarify what some of them meant. That was going to be my comment. Like, I just, I don't think they were quite intuitive. Like when there was wording on the cards, it did help. But again, it, it was, it was definitely confusing in the beginning. I mean, you know, I think we got at least like when we could do what things, but at one point, like I actually looked, I had some icon on a card that I actually looked up when Kiwi was away for a moment. And I was like, oh, okay, well. You know, just it, it, just a lot. Like you said, some some are pure icons, some are text, some are both. Like it kind of made it confusing as to where where. Like I had one card; it said nothing on it because most of them do say something, and I was like, "Oh, it's got an icon on the top that I didn't even see." How was the rule book? It was terrible. Oh, really? I yeah, I did not like this rule book at all. Um, it does all the stuff that I hate, where it like jumps around. It doesn't really do like. It does a lot of descriptions for different things, but doesn't like go in the order of like, this is what you need to do. Like, you know, do this, 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 and this, like I had to like zoom around to a whole bunch of different places and try to find things. And it's not like logically laid out in my mind. Like I started looking at it and it was just like, I don't like, are the pages out of order? Like, am I looking at things wrong? And then like, I immediately like watched a video. So shout out to Meeple University who did a really good uh, how it's played. Um, 
That makes sense because I was going to say it seemed like you got had a really good grasp of how the game went, other than figuring out all the icons as we went. But so yeah, yeah makes and, sense and that, that you was because some I, yeah, yeah, I watched I watched a video um, and they did a really good job because um, the rule book like it helped like okay, I, I figured out where I am in the rule book now and like where it is in the rules, but I had to watch that video because it was just it, it is a very poorly laid out uh, rule book and I do not like it. There are some decent examples and that, like, that's the one good part about the rule book, but that's rough on a game like this. Yeah. Mm. If so, yeah. This would probably be my example for a bad rule book. If somebody was like, can you give me an example? Player interaction? Uh, nope. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's yeah. a little bit of the worker placement side, um, but I didn't, it, you might get inadvertently screwed out of a spot, but you kind of just expected it. So like, I didn't even really look at what was available till it was my turn and then yeah, figure it out, for I sure. guess. Because you couldn't, you couldn't plan too much ahead. You might have an idea, but like then by the time it's your turn, like it doesn't, you know, you have to readjust and. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely spots that I don't think anybody went to the whole game um, that just, you know, nobody, nobody found value in them. And like you guys already said, like there were a couple of times it was like, uh, like I, I stepped away for a minute and I came back and you had finished your turn. I was like, Oh, that was the one I wanted. And then I just went to a different spot. I, I didn't yeah. feel all that much. Like, like it had screwed me out of anything. Like I still got to do some of what I wanted to do. And I think that happened to like each one of us, but like, we're also the kind of play bro- play group that we tend to not do that on purpose. Like every now and again, we'll get games where it's just like, all right, well, I know BP needs this, so I'm taking it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just not the spirit of this kind of game to like, yeah. it, again, it's one of those ones where like I could screw you, but I would be taking uh, something I don't want. Yeah. yeah. If there were more take that elements to the game, I feel like it would, it would have its place, but like there's no other take that at all in the game. So it just, it just feels weird to then do that when it like hurts you. Cause you don't have many actions. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, would you play it again? BP? No. Do I need to qualify it any more than I have qualified throughout the... I mean, yeah, I guess you don't really do that. I was going to say, like, usually we qualify it with additional information, but I feel like, yeah. I I feel like I was building cities, cities that had all kinds of resources, and I lost the game. Like, plus, I think, not that, I mean, I lose games all the time. So, obviously, it's not like I'm a sore loser, right? I mean, anybody who's listened to multiple episodes and knew I lose, like, sometimes I still love playing games, even though I lose. Apparently, I calculated all wrong and... I don't know. Like, it's not that it, you know, again, it well, I, mean, was I don't think any of us were calculated. We didn't look at the score sheet until like the last turn of the last round. Like, I don't think any of us were like mathing it out. No, but, uh, but it just, I don't know. Anyway, no. <laughs> it all comes back to, no. Uh, no, I don't think I would either. I, I wanted to like it more. Um, but like, I just felt like, like I liked terraforming Mars and I knew that you guys didn't particularly care for it just because of that sort of the randomness with the cards. But I liked the idea that your engine did something every turn, every round where you don't get that in this, like your engine only does stuff three times and then you build a little bit more onto your engine and then your engine does more stuff. And I didn't particularly care. Like I, I wanted to see my engine grow every round. Yeah. Uh, I would say the flip side to that for me would be that like in terraforming Mars, like this one, you have three rounds to kind of like fix your problems with your engine instead of it sure. if missing three rounds of producing well before you get going. So, I, I mean, I don't know. That would be more 
more an in-depth thing of playing it a bunch to see how that affects the game. But anyway, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, for me, I would rather, if I had to choose between this and Terraforming Mars, which I think are very similar games, I would rather play Terraforming Mars. If I'm going to do like any kind of worker placement engine building, I, I feel like there are probably other games that you know, I'd rather play Caverna or Viticulture or you know something else where you know I'm I'm building things up with with worker placement. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't play it again. Um, it wasn't bad. Like I enjoyed like the thinking it through and placing this stuff. Um, but like any, I think it kind of falls into that like standard Euro game for me of like okay, it was it was all right, but would I spend another four hours playing it? No. Um, just looking at Kiwi's pathetic little underwater city there and seeing that it won. It's like, man, come on. Like, even I didn't, I wasn't really expecting to win, but I, I really, and this goes to play interaction. I didn't look at your board the whole game until the very end. And I looked, I was like, what is that? Come on. Yeah. So that kind of was disappointing. There's, there's enough like of these hybrid Euro games with a little bit more interaction and a little bit more like story elements in it. Like, um, like the Red Raven games above and below near and far. Mm-hmm which mm-hmm. are kind of combine the elements in a good way um, that uh, it's hard for me to justify committing to a game like this. Uh, so that's Underwater Cities. There you go. So if you have any recommendation of games, Euro or otherwise, you want to hear our first impressions on, just send them our way. Email, we're at firstturntabletop at gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram at first turn cast and the podcast he camel says as he's just kind of floating to the surface after trying to build up his underwater cities please don't i i can't i i don't i can't do the the bubbling the bubbling voice so please don't forget to rate review subscribe on your favorite podcatchers and we look forward to hearing from you and play more games Okay, well, I like the robot. (gasps) BP has a dolphin. So if you played a a non-lightning bolt here, you would get uh, caterpillar drop downs, downloads. So those are tunnel, those are build tunnels. Yeah, that's what I said. You know what they say underwater? Water is gold. Fresh water is gold? That makes more sense.